Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Yes, it's time for pre-TMI. This is where Jason and I quiz the bone on sports and pop culture things from the 80s and see if he knows any of them. Every once in a while, the bone turns the tables on us and he'll ask them, ask us about stuff from his childhood and see if we know. But it's the old guy's turns and we'll start turn and we'll start with Jason. Bone, uh, what was the power plant downtown originally constructed for? What was the original purpose of the power plant? Was it an A, concert hall, B, movie theater, C, arcade, D, museum? What was the power plant originally constructed for? A, was a concert hall. A. The city fair was begun in 1970 to lure more people and business back into the city, and it did. And the moldering metropolis began a transformation. The construction of Harbor Place over strong opposition won the city national publicity. And with the addition of the National Aquarium, the Maryland Science Center, the Six Flags Power Plant Amusement Center, and numerous new hotels, the once shabby indoor. It was originally an indoor... Arcade amusement park, Six Flags. Yeah, did not know that. Yeah, my parents uh, talk about going there and like clubs and stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah oh, it was over. happening for yeah. a minute. Yeah. So that's one down. Yeah. You did not phone a friend. You still have what? How many of those do you get to do? One, one for each. One, for one each. each. It's been a minute since we pre-TMI. <laughs> yeah. By the way, for the people, uh, Stone Balone is on hold is in on case hold. he wants to phone a Stone. <laughs> stone, yeah. what's yeah. up? Hey guys! Is this bringing back good memories <laughs> yeah. for you, Stony? I'm loving this, loving every second. Yeah. All right. He has the option to phone a stone <laughs> once for each of us. All right. Bone and I guess Stone. Who or what was the junkyard gang? Who or what was the junkyard gang? Was it A, the fan club, ravenous fan club for the wrestler, the junkyard dog? JYD. Yes. Was it an early video game? 
Was it a kid's board game from the 70s? Or was it a cartoon band? I'm going to phone Stone Feltz in. Stone is Stone. Stone. I think it's the wrestler one, but I don't know that to be true. I just, that's my guess, because Ken seemed pretty enthusiastic about it. No, but it's not my yeah, team. It's, it's not, not my pre-team. Let them go, GG. Let the kids go. Stone, I trust you, man. Let's ride. With me and all the gang. Cartoon. Fat Albert. Why we do our thing. Nah, nah, nah. Gonna have a good time. This was Rudy and the guys. Coming at you with music and fun, and if you're not careful, you may learn something before it's done. So let's get ready, okay? Hey, hey, hey! You know not, You know you do know about Fat Albert. Yeah, Fat Albert. Yeah. You're familiar, but that's about the extent of it. Yeah. It was an amazing cartoon. I actually yeah. spent way more time than I should have listening to old Junkyard yeah. Gang songs on YouTube. And we should, Ryan, I think we should get some in the mix. Yeah, like, Junkyard Gang? They're funky. You had Rudy on the yeah. bass. Like, it, it's great stuff. The one about giving roofies to ladies was a good one. Well, no, they didn't. I'm trying to keep the cause out of yeah, it. And just focus well, was, on the Junkyard Gang. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, cause. this is the cartoon, the cartoon band that Fat Albert was a part of. Yes. All right, Bone, last for me. Who or what were the Baltimore Bandits? Who or what were the Baltimore oh, Bandits? Were they, A, a notorious 70s band of no. Baltimore bank no. robbers? Next. Wow. B, Baltimore's CBA franchise, short-lived as it was. Hmm. C, nickname for the Baltimore Colts no. wide receiver no. core Next. in the Go. early 80s. No. Or D, minor league hockey team. D. The audio quality is tough. Is this like their fight song? It's the Bandits' fight song. Yes, it was a minor league hockey team. Remember the Mighty Ducks, right? Mighty Ducks AHL affiliate. One season, one season only, 95-96. Those were good times. I covered quite a few of their games. Did you? Road. Oh, wow. They played the Syracuse Crunch in the playoffs, and I was going to Syracuse at the time. I covered that whole series, Home and Road. Kenny Albert call games? No, he was already doing MSG by then. He did the Clippers. Clippers, okay. That's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, he did Clippers like mid-80s, late-80s, and he was already doing... I think oh. NHL stuff by 96. So now it's my turn, and you do get one phone of stone, phone uh, stone. once again. Uh, so he's ready. Uh, let's start with this. Who or what is the Human League? Uh, is it A, one of the first the reality television shows? No. Is it B, an 80s pop band? I think it's is B. Is it C, an ill-fated sports league? Or D, none of the above? I think it's B. It's hot. You got two in a row? Oh, I know the song. Don't you want me? You like this one, Bone? That's funky. Does it make you want to take your shirt off? Yeah. Can we get this in rotation? Does it make you want to take your shirt off and shave that mustache? We can get this in the rotation. Yeah. There you go. There it is. Voice of an angel. This was worth it alone, just getting Bone singing. That That falsetto was something. Okay, question two. Still have your phone of stone. Thank God. Who is Reggie Williams? Was he a starting corner on the 96 Ravens? What, was he a man who blew three saves for the 88 Orioles as they were on their way to an 0-21 start to start the season? Mm-hmm. Is he a Baltimore basketball legend who went on to the NBA, or is it none of the above? In all sports. <sighs> 96 Ravens was the inaugural season. Yeah, That's the significant I, I'm leaning B, but I'm going to phone a stone. Phoning a stone. Phone stone, a stone. 
<laughs> you always phone me, I think, on the ones I'm on the lead. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We ride or die. You said lean and be? I'm leaning, but I, I can't say with any conviction. Uh, I'm conviction. I'm going to say B. So they're together on that. A man who blew three saves during the Orioles' 0 for 21 start. Shell? On the dribble. Ah. Underneath was Reggie Williams all along. He's got to know your roots. Reggie looking for a career high. He's got 23 points for Williams. Reggie Williams, along with David Wingate, Muggsy Bogues, and... and Legendary. Uh, yeah. Dunbar. Reggie Dunbar. Lewis, the Dunbar did the fictional national... Yes, yes. Yeah. He was part of that. Uh, Reggie Williams, part of that. And then went on to Georgetown, won a national championship, and played in the NBA for a while. Mm. Okay, finally. Who was Frank Cush? Frank Cush. Frank Cush. Frank Cush. Was he the it's last... not a bad name. Was, yes. It's, 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 it's not quite start. Rusty Coons, but it's not yeah. bad. Was he the last coach of the Baltimore Colts? Is he a legendary Channel 13 sportscaster, popular 80s detective show, or none of the above? I think A. Is that your final answer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. For football fans in Baltimore this morning, the last man to serve as head coach of the old Baltimore Colt, Frank Cush. He coached the Colts in 82 and then 83, right before the team moved to Indianapolis. Known for being the tough-minded coach at Arizona State University, he is in the College Football Hall of Fame. By the way, little story, part of the reason why John Elway balked to play for the Baltimore Colts was because Jack Elway, his dad, was the coach at Stanford, a coach against Frank Cush at Arizona State, and he hated Frank Cush. Nothing to do with him. Yes. You held your own. You got a 33%. No, we got two of mine and one of yours. Oh, you got that one right? Oh, I thought thought you guessed wrong on that one. No, you got 50%. Jack wagon? Well, that was good because you should have known that one. Yeah. Stone, thank you. Stoney, it's good guys. to have you back we with us. Appreciate you. Thank you. Stoney, let the people know where they can hear you oh, in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm on uh, the morning show, Kramer and Jess. So I'm one, uh, one of 6.5. Do you, uh, do you know the station five, you work yeah. for? I was caught off guard by the question a little bit, not going to lie, but it's uh, mixed one of 6.5. Yeah, Stoney, I don't want to tell you how to do your business, but I would call it 106 to 5. Yes. <laughs> if I were you. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I, I would, I would call it 106 to 5. Yeah. Anything well, new going on in the world of Stone oh, that yes, people should know? Absolutely. I uh, met Rachel's sister oh, the other day. Nice. First family member I met. Of older, her. She's younger. Really nice. She's older, about 10 years older. Okay. She's awesome. Really nice. Mm, we're proud of you. You all grow oh, up. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank real, you. Real quick, how, how was the. You, you had a breakfast buffet with Chuck Box. Oh, right? yeah. How did that go? Oh, Shady Maple, it's, it's heavenly. I think that's the best way to put heavenly. it. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I love it. And uh, 
Great tradition with Chuck Bucks. Yeah, Chuck said you're a, more of a tapas guy. You had a lot of little plates. Yeah, I I like. I think this time I definitely took my time. I would yeah. get like one or two things on my plate, eat it, take like a five-minute break, and then go back. Wow. Mm. So you were a grazer. You were grazing? <laughs> definitely grazing more instead of just like ambushing the buffet. Are nice. you going to Pantera Saturday? Uh, as of right now, no. But if I can find an extra ticket, I yeah. will be there. You know who to ask around here. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Get on that. Just watch the leg I room will. situation. I got, I got the Fallout Boy tickets. Oh! Nice. Oh, who are they there playing with? Who are they? There's Jimmy somebody... World. I Jimmy think. World, yeah, yes. Yeah. Wow. Ah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Hey, uh, Stone, always a pleasure, buddy. Yep. See you guys. Thanks, See bud. Your phone of Stone. It's phone a staple of, of the pre-TMI. Phone of 6 to 5. Hey, coming up next, <laughs> Terps, Wisconsin last night. A game heard right here on 105.7 The Fan. It's a different game, but similar result. We'll explain next here on The Fan. And Storr runs to the floor. Oh, my goodness. And they will call a foul. A block on Jahari, on Jahari and, Long. And so, oh, my goodness. What a play by Jahari. That, that was really well done. And he caught Klesman full on. Tough, inconsistent officiating in this game. I know. The circus is in town. How about I say that? I know. I'm going to call the head of the refs tomorrow at some point. I just want to, I, I hope I get an explanation on how they, how Deshaun's, you know, really should have been an and one that got overturned. And then he got called for an offensive foul on the bucket. So it was really five points yeah. that we got taken away. So I just, you know, I think my, I think we deserve an explanation of why those, why those calls were called because, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's almost a curse having being able to watch the video on film now because yeah. it's you know you get to see it real time and you know it, it can put you it can put you in a bad mood real quick <laughs> here at the highlight of Jahari Long getting run over with two seconds left and he was called for a block I yeah. thought that was a charge and Terps could have the ball with uh, two seconds left down too uh, instead they lose 74-70 this game's similar to a lot of other <laughs> games in some ways they couldn't shoot they did it three threes late to make them five or 15 before yes. that they were two at 12 uh, but the calls and the 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 end one that Willard talked about after the game, just a, a pathetic, disgustingly bad call yeah. where he stepped through and the guy flopped on defense on and they, DHS. Yeah, and they called a charge when it was an obvious block yep. or no call. And yeah, as as Willard said, a potential five point swing. Terps lose by four. Yeah, they got no help from the officials. They they now are. It's ridiculous now what they are in games decided by. Five points or less, six points or less. I mean, I think they have a single solitary win. And this kind of felt like most of their conference games where they were incredibly scrappy. They fought hard. They stayed in the game at numerous times where you thought they might fall out and then kind of just found a way to come up short. The officials certainly had a lot to do with this one. I got the sense being there Saturday and listening to the post game show on 105 to 7, <laughs> driving home. And hearing Willard's press conference that he was biting his tongue a little bit about the officials in the Illinois game, but there was some stuff he didn't love. Forty seven fouls called in that game. Yeah. And then this one, I, I think he you know, it it just kind of boiled over. And look, in a game this close, the technical that the bench got called for ends up looming very large. All these games are decided by a shot or two, and that was a critical point where not only, you know, are you losing possession, but they're getting a chance to shoot a couple of foul shots on a night where they didn't miss any. I mean, mm. that was another difference in the game. Wisconsin just did not miss from the foul line. 
Um, I love the way they they battled till the end and threw some threes up and had some smart possessions to take this down to the final seconds. Uh, but they're just not very good at closing games out. Like they're they don't really finish. Let's call it what it is, Jason. I mean, the the record's the worst in the nation. They have eight losses of four points or yeah. less. That is the most in all of Division One. I. I mean, they just can't close out games and it just seemed like especially in the second half when they're they're going on a run they cut it to five they cut it to three and then wisconsin would get you know key offensive rebounds or you know they lost yeah. on the boards last night and and that was a difference in the game and second like, second chance yeah, shots second for chance, wisconsin ex- was ridiculous ex- exactly <laughs> and and with those little things and you add in the poor officiating i mean the dhs charge was one of the worst things you will ever see it's too much to overcome for a team of this talent. Jameer Young led him with 20, but struggled from the field again. He was 6 of 17, but he is excellent from the foul line, yes. 7 of 7, where he gets the, the points. But man, you touched on this from the game Saturday. It looks like he's like putting the weight on the, of this team on his shoulders. I think he's tired. Yeah, I, I think mentally and physically, the grind has now got to him a little bit. And, um, you know, maybe there are ways through the course of these games to get him off his feet a little bit more, and you go with DHS and Long, and you get Kaiser in the mix a little bit. I mean, again, like what are we really talking about here? We've now reached a point yeah. of you're going to need an improbable run in the conference tournament to yes. have any shot of going anywhere, so why not lean into the kids a little bit more? Yeah, and, and one of those kids, I want to point out now, DHS, he's tough enough to play in the Big Ten. He's got to work on his shot. Jamie Kaiser, on the other hand, and this was noticeable last night, he's getting pushed around. This kid, if he's staying at Maryland, I hope he stays at Maryland, he needs an offseason in the weight room because you can see him. He gets pushed off his spot all the time. Well, yeah, I don't I don't know that he's got the – well, he certainly doesn't have the defensive instincts that yeah. DHS has. I thought it was DHS's worst defensive game, though, mm-hmm. in a while. Like – wasn't great for him either. Some of the backdoor cuts and him well, being in, in no man's land yeah. a few times defensively and that picking up some fouls and kind of being kind of caught in betwixt and in between whether I should actually try to defend this drive or not. I thought it was a tough game for him. But yeah, Kaiser, like, like I don't – even if he stays – he needs you, to get you, tougher. Well, and you kind of got to be trying to find a better version than Kaiser in the portal. Yeah. And, and by the way, there is allegedly some good news coming. Five-star big man Derek Queen. It's it's simmering on social media, and I was told it it's, it's, looks like it's happening. He's going to announce today that he's going to Maryland. This has been a, a long road with Derek Queen. He was supposed to announce, what, a couple months ago? Still has it. And, and granted, five-star big man, you can't have enough of those guys. But, man, you said it. They need some shooters. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, what do we see from Kaiser, DHS, Traore down the stretch? Uh, That's really what I'm kind of looking at and most interested in. Um, Yes, it's it's good that these games are competitive, and you know Dante Scott deserves to go out however he wants to go out for all the games and minutes he's played here. And I'm not saying that you're gonna you know sit Jameer just to sit him. But I do think a little bit more of a rotation is is probably in order um, because the margins are pretty slim at this point. Terps lose seventy four to seventy. They are now fourteen and thirteen overall, six and ten in conference. Coming up next here on the show, it's a Wednesday. We get our best bets with our buddy Tim Murray from Visa next here on the Fan Inside. 
Access. I'm a fan. It's a Wednesday, so let's head out to the WGK Law guest hotline. We're joined by our friend Tim Murray, who joins us every week, and he's from VSIN. And Tim, thanks as always for joining us. Let's start with St. John's. And and St. John's, a Rick Pitino, yeah, going scorched earth on the players he chose the other day. I found that an interesting rant from him. And I guess, how do they bounce back from that effort? And they have Georgetown coming up. Boys, I just want to tell you that coming on your show is the most unenjoyable experience of my life. (laughs) Oh, sorry. That's Rick Pitino uh, talking about selecting to go to St. John's from Iona and uh, pretty much handpicking his roster uh, via the portal. But now that they've lost a couple games, he's uh, he's a little salty, mm. uh, you know. In your older age, from what I understand, when you get in your seventies, you know things just get a little uh, get a little grumpy. So uh, I am so fascinated by two games tonight because I don't know what to do with them. Because I, I joke in college football and even to an extent the NFL, you know, like at what point do players check out? Like, do we do we? Do we bet on them to to bounce back, or do we say, nah, it's mid-February, the hell with this season? So I've got two teams that fit this discussion. So just down the road from where you guys sit at a raucous environment, I'm sure, tonight at Capital One Arena. Oh, yeah, it'll be There'll bonkers. be at least tens of 11s of people there. Uh, you got Georgetown as a 10-point home underdog to St. John's coming off of the embarrassment that was the 19-point blown lead against Seton Hall. And then in Memphis later tonight, we've got the Memphis Tigers. Now, this one didn't get as much run as the Rick Pitino rant, but Penny Hardaway and his team got absolutely obliterated against SMU also on Sunday. They lost 106 to 79 ouch and he said bleeping losing like this this is terrible this is not competing at all i don't know what's going on and then he doubled down and he said and right now we want to go to war we want to fight every possession if these guys aren't going to do it you've got to bring guys in off the bench that are going to do it and i think that's where this team is so we got two games tonight ladies and gentlemen I don't know what to do with either one of them. Mm. You've got St. John's as a 10-point favorite, and you've got Memphis as a 5.5-point favorite against Charlotte. Charlotte, a team who kind of seems to be rallying together. Uh, they've certainly exceeded expectations. They're 11-2. and two. They have a big winner earlier this year against FAU. 11-2 um, and two in conference play, that is. So I don't know what to do with these because my initial inclination was, all right, got to grab the dogs, but do we get – an inspired effort from these two teams after both of their coaches saw a bus coming by and he just threw them right underneath that bus. <laughs> Let's go to a Big Ten matchup, yeah. Tim. Fighting Illini taking on Penn State at Rec Hall. Fighting Illini, seven and a half point favorites. Do you like any action in this one? The Rec Hall, baby. Uh, this is not where Penn State plays their home games. Uh, this is going to be a raucous environment. Uh, Jason Horowitz, radio voice of the Raiders, is uh, going to be on the TV call on Big Ten Network, and he tweeted out, this is the first time they've played a conference game in Rec Hall since 1996. Hmm. Going to be intimate environment, going to be a whiteout, 
probably not as intimidating as the football whiteouts there at Penn State, but I love this spot for Penn State. The juice is going to be massive. Uh, maybe I'm playing into it a little bit too much, but seven and a half is the spread. How about this uh, nugget? And now it almost happened last night, but ultimately fell through. Unranked home teams this year against top 10 opponents. Now, Illinois is a t- number 12, so it doesn't fit the characteristic, but I just I love this stat. Straight up unranked teams at home this year are 37 and 38 straight up against top 10 teams. It has been ridiculous the amount of uh, success these teams have had. And Missouri, who was winless in the SEC, almost pulled it off yesterday against number five Tennessee. Uh, they did cover, but didn't get the win. But no, I like Penn State in this spot. Um, you know, first year coach and Mike Rhodes coming up from uh, from VCU uh, certainly hasn't been a, a promising season there. But you look at some of their home games. I know they haven't played uh, at the wreck, but uh, you know. They lost to Michigan State at home, or excuse me, uh, Northwestern at home by just a couple. They beat Wisconsin at home. They beat Iowa at home, who seems to be playing much better uh, as of late. So, um, yeah, I think you're going to get a pretty pretty strong effort from uh, from the old Nittany Lions tonight. So uh, give me the 7.5. We're going to rock and roll with uh, Penn State at the wreck. University South Florida. Yeah, Opposing baby. University of Texas San Antonio. I'm guessing Road that's runners. UTSA. It's my kind of jam. Tell me about yeah, it. Directional. This is this is this is the. I wouldn't say this is the full on JLC special, but feels good a, to me. Feels about right. Up there. So South Florida. Uh, we go back to the American Athletic Conference because we we mentioned Memphis. South Florida is in first place of the AAC. Not Florida Atlantic, who made the run to the right. Final Four. Not Memphis, who at one point was as high as I believe number six in the country. It's South Florida. South Florida. Hired a new coach this offseason, Amir Abdul Rahim. He is awesome. He was at Kennesaw State last year. He got this job, and he has done a, an absolutely incredible job. They sold out Sunday's game for the first time since 2001, mm. and they beat FAU. They stormed the floor. It was uh, it was really an impressive performance. They were seemed like they were hitting everything under the sun. So now they go on the road. Mm. They're playing UTSA, Letdown. a team who is not very good. Letdown. UTSA, oh yeah. They're only 8 and 18, Woo. 2 and 11 in conference play, but they've been feisty at home and uh this is a hold on to your nose special here because South Florida in conference play has covered every game they've played. Wow. They're 10 0 and 3 ATS. So they haven't lost you any money. You had three pushes. But 10 covers, no non-covers. The number's coming down a little bit, which is good. means there's some sharp money here. But uh, we're going to take, I believe, 6.5 is out there. 6, 6.5 with the Roadrunners. Meet me. Hopefully uh, hopefully we get a little cover here with uh, with UTSA against the South Florida team that is, they might not even have had to board the plane. They might have just right. floated Sky from Tampa high. all the way to San Antonio for this Wednesday night. Uh, showdown we're talking to tim murray's inside access here on the fan you're you already looking at the draft from a betting perspective yeah just peeking at it a little bit ken um you know we'll we'll dive into this once we start getting rumors and reports and jlc will be will be locked in on this as well the the one that intrigues me and look there's not a ton of offerings do you is maryland still behind the times and doesn't let you bet on the draft is that i remember that last year i haven't looked i think we can i think we can can. yeah Yeah, so a couple things are popping up 
Um, we had Brad Biggs on our show yesterday. We love Biggsy. Yeah. Uh, Brad's awesome, as piped in as it comes when it comes to the Bears. And I bring this up because I asked him flat out. I go, Brad, just give me an easy answer. Are the Bears drafted a quarterback at one? He just goes, yep. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, we're done there. So I bring that up because Caleb Williams is minus 900 to be the number one pick, minus 900 to go to the Chicago Bears. And it seems like after the Instagram fiasco uh, of unfollowing the Bears, look, it's over, okay? It, it's over. Caleb Williams probably is, is, is more than likely, most likely going to Chicago. So it leads me to the number two market. And we've seen a little bit movement here. And while there's really no inside information yet, because, look, these teams, as JLC could attest to, still making their boards, mm-hmm. still got to go to the combine, interview all these guys. But I think Jaden Daniels at plus 120, which you could have got a much better number on a week ago, to go number two is really intriguing. Mm-hmm. When you just kind of start to connect dots of who does Cliff Kingsbury like as a type of quarterback? It doesn't look like he's going to be able to get Caleb Williams. I think Jaden Daniels kind of fits the type of quarterback that he would want and more of an improvising type of quarterback utilizing his legs. Uh, We had Mike Sanford, who joins our show. He's a longtime offensive coordinator, uh, many different stops, most recently at Colorado. And he said, look, Drake May, he'll do what you ask. If he's in the pocket, he's going to make the right reads. But from what he kind of gathered, not a big improviser, not a big, Mm -hmm. you know, guy who gets out of the pocket. I just think Jaden Daniels at plus 120. Like, it's not a, the lock of the century, but as, as we're starting to dip our toe into some draft coverage, I think Jaden Daniels going two to Washington makes a lot of sense when you start to connect the dots and realize it's a pretty, pretty long shot that they're able to get up to one and get Caleb Williams. Tim Murray lets people know what's going on at Vison. Yeah, catch us every night. My uh, my colleague is Jonathan Von Tobel. I am Tim Murray. And uh, catch us from 6 to 9 p.m. on VEASAN. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, we'll bud. chat next week. All right, boys. Meet me. Let's go. <laughs> Coming I'm up on next, Samuel Basayo. What is his potential fit here? We'll talk about it next. All the young dudes here on The Fan. Inside Access on The Fan. Baby birds are growing up. We're on an excellent trajectory here. This group is going to help us keep taking a step forward. All the young dudes. It's liftoff from here for this team. Inside Access, 105.7 The Fan. The bat was a revelation this season at his age, getting basically through AA. And, uh, you know, that, that bat is so exciting with where it stands right now that it is far from out of the question that it's going to profile at first base if and when that day comes. So I think our plan for 2024 is to stick with the catcher first base thing, but that's certainly something that, you know, we can revisit at any time. And I'm really happy for him that he's going to get the experience of an official major league camp because uh, he's done a lot to put himself in this position. And uh, I I know he's going to really benefit from having those guys around him. That was Mike Elias when he joined the show a couple weeks ago talking about Big Sam Basayo, and he got off to a little bit of a slow start because he had the uh, what the elbow fracture, but he's he's hitting and he's catching, and he'll, I think he'll be throwing soon. But like, I guess the prevailing question: He's 19 years old. What's the fit for him eventually here? Well, I, don't you just kind of wonder? And I don't want him by any means. I'm I'm not advocating for him to stop catching, but. If we're talking about a situation where he's going to be operating a little bit from behind and he's already um, 
you know, he's a young kid who's grown really fast and is probably not done growing as big as he is. And he's dealing with an issue throwing. Like, wouldn't you just lean even more into first base? They don't have any first base prospects in this organization. Like, they really, like, unless you want to already slide Kobe Mayo over there. Like, okay, we could have that discussion. Mm -hmm. But in terms of guys who first base is their prominent, dominant position, like, they don't have that. They've got another interesting catcher, Creed Willems, who I think probably, you know, I'm not sure he's going to stay behind the dish. And he's got a little different body type. And, and he might be a, a traditional first baseman. That might be what he becomes. But there's not a whole lot of that. And I'm not saying that that's where you want guys to end up because it's obviously not a premium defensive position, nowhere compared to catcher. But I, I just wonder if it doesn't make sense to have him doing a little bit more of that starting at Bowie, given how he's behind, and really kind of monitoring the issue with the arm and throwing or any of that. Um, like, I, I, it just kind of feels like this is almost the baseball gods pushing it a little bit more in that direction. Because let's face it, when you start a season that young at Double A, if he keeps doing what he's doing, by this time next year, we're having the discussions about him that we're having about Jackson Holiday right now. And he ain't displacing Adley Rutschman from catcher. I mean, even though he's a, he's got a better arm and there's some interesting things about him at his size that would probably give him an advantage over a lot of normal size catchers or even slightly larger catchers like Adley, I, I, I think they know who their their backstop is for the next at least five, six, seven years. I just kind of feel like this is one more nudge towards first base. Well, at least early on, and they were saying that he probably wasn't going to be able to go behind the dish until late April. Why not lean into first base? But they did tinker with him at first base um, last year, He played year, there Jason, a decent and, amount. And I was about to say, did, did he look comfortable with the game? Yeah, as saw him? yeah. I mean, I think he's an athletic kid for his size. Again, he is still a little bit gangly and, and still kind of growing into himself, but he he's... He's a hell of an athlete, um, and and you can definitely tell that he's a pleaser. He's a kid who wants to do well. He can he listens to, you know, direction. Um, he wants to follow their various programs, hitting, fielding, nutrition, all that stuff. I, I I'm incredibly bullish on him. Um, but I I think again, like if if he does what I think he's going to do with the bat, and he's still here after the trade deadline, then he's someone who will be pushing for a spot on this team next year. And that's not to say they couldn't trade him in the hot stove league yep. next year. I, I do think they're going to have to acquire more pitching. Like I, I think we're being naive if if we think that they're going to be cool with what they've got, you know, and Means will be fine and Braddish will be fine. I, I You know, and Grayson will just keep, you know, right along. Like, I don't think it's going to work like that. Um, and he would be someone who's among the most coveted pieces out there. And we're going to get back into talking to some people from Baseball America and MLB pipeline and baseball prospectus about the prospect side of this um, and where these guys fit in because he might be moving towards untouchable. Like he might be moving towards untouchable status for them. Like I I think again, if he doesn't get traded by this deadline, um, this kid at age 20 is going to be knocking on the door of the major leagues and I don't know that they're going to be able to hold him back. I mean, if not here, somewhere. Like, I think he's going to be the number one prospect in baseball Yeah, by the middle of the season. It's funny. We talked to Michael Elias about this and also uh, Matt Blood. And Matt Blood was first time I even had those kind of thoughts. He's like, 
what was that a year ago? He's like, yeah, I could see, or maybe it was this early off season. And he's like, yeah, he could go next in line. And I don't think there's ever been organizations that had three straight number ones. And <laughs> like that, that's just crazy. It's it's absolutely bonkers. And you know, right now he's some people have him tenth best prospect in baseball, thirteenth. I've seen him at seventeenth. Um, but he's in the teens for pretty much everybody. And again, this kid has only really had one year of fully organized ball. You know, before last season, he was doing the Dominican thing and a little bit of the complex league. Um, for him to rise three levels as an international kid, uh, especially playing a position as difficult as catcher and doing it at his size, which is increasingly difficult, and having none of that impact the bat negatively whatsoever. Um, I understand why people wouldn't want to trade him, but I, I also feel like there's going to be a ton of teams inquiring about him as we do get towards the deadline, and there are obvious sellers. It's Inside Access here on a Wednesday. Coming up next, 14 years in the major leagues. Now he's the host of the Brett Boone Podcast. We're going to talk Orioles and Major League Baseball with Brett Boone next here on The Fan. Inside Access. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 